And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Good morning, welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Wednesday the 20th of December. I'm Michael Bailey and on today's show... Newcastle trip up in the cup. Great save by Petrovic and Chelsea are into the League Cup semi-final. What might Nuno bring to Forest? If we're being entirely honest, it sounds quite similar to the mentality that Steve Cooper adopted last year. Man City are 90 minutes away from winning a trophy, again. And there's a blow and boost ahead of Liverpool's big double. Alexis McAllister's still out. He won't be back until the new year. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Michael Bailey. Let's kick it off with that big Carabao Cup quarterfinal from last night. Gusto with the cross. It's awkward. Trippier's header. Mudrik has scored for Chelsea in added time. Mikhailo Mudrik. Well, Trippier here didn't get enough on it to get it back to the goalkeeper. Yes, it was all looking rosy for Newcastle, who led until the second minute of added time when Mikhailo Mudrik equalised from Kieran Trippier's mistake. Trippier then missed his penalty in the shootout. Matt Ritchie's was saved by George Petrovic. And Chelsea went through at Newcastle's expense six days after their Champions League exit. George Colkin covers Newcastle for The Athletic and he's with us now. Oh, George, two cup exits in one week. That feels pretty brutal. Yeah, it's it's not ideal. I, I think I would say that. Um, and I think if you're going to go out of a cup, this was probably not the way that you want to do it. 92nd minute equaliser, big mistake. And then, of course, the absolute horror of penalties. Not the way they'd want to do it. I mean, it's a very strange match, very strange performance. Newcastle played in a way they don't normally play. They sat off Chelsea. They didn't really want the ball. Um, I think after fairly heavy defeats in the Premier League to Everton and uh, Tottenham, I think that was probably a deliberate ploy to try and tighten things up a bit. It's also sort of an illustration where they are in terms of injuries, I think. But but yeah, that was brutal. I mean, I think they actually did quite well for a lot of that match playing playing in that style. But um, yeah, just a, just a moment at the end, another big mistake from Kieran Trippier and then, and then we're into penalties. Yeah, brutal, brutal, as you said. Yeah, you mentioned Kieran Trippier. It has been a pretty poor month for him. Why do you think that is? It's very difficult to put your to put your finger on. I've asked Eddie Howe about him in the press conference afterwards, and obviously, you know, he's been an absolute standard bearer for Newcastle since the takeover. He's the guy that sets the tone in the dressing room, the guy that sets the tone on the pitch. He's been full of assists for Newcastle this season. He's their leader, even when he's not the captain on the pitch. And he's just had a miserable time of it. Yeah, I mean, big mistakes at Everton. And then followed it up by letting Son get past him a couple of times at at Tottenham and then more tonight. It's just, it's very out of character. The kind of quite moving thing that 
Howe said afterwards was that, look, he's the person who supported all of us. He's lifted the whole team, the whole dressing room since the takeover. And now it's our turn to support him and he'll get that support. And I'm, I'm sure he will. He has been absolutely phenomenal, but it's been a December to forget for him. I mean, I'd want to end this on a positive, but it's not going to get any easier with all those festive fixtures, is it? I always like to look look for context and they're, you know, they're still in a in a very good position in the league. They've had some absolutely historic evenings, moments, games this season. It's just felt gruelling at the same time. They've had all these games, all these extra matches, and they've had uh, this horrific run with injuries. They just need to get people back. They've had more trouble in that front tonight with Anthony Gordon coming off, victim of a nasty tackle by Caicedo early on. Emil Kraft has come off again. They need a break, really, is what they need, but they're not going to get it anytime soon. Thanks, George. Well, you can contrast Newcastle's despondency with the scenes of pure joy from Chelsea's players and manager. Our Chelsea correspondent, Simon Johnson, was at Stamford Bridge. Si, exactly how did Chelsea pull that off? The thing is, I'm not sure even Chelsea know how uh, they got away with that one. You've got to praise Chelsea for taking advantage of of Newcastle's uh, generosity. Ludwig's fine finish to, to take it to penalties and then Chelsea took their penalties extremely well so yeah it's, it's very very positive scenes at the final so the, the, undoubtedly the biggest moment for Pochettino since he took over and there was a 21 minute debut for Christopher Nkunku finally he makes his debut it's only taken four months the, the, the loud roar that came out from the crowd just says that how much they, they're hoping he can make a huge impact now I wouldn't say he had an amazing uh, impact on the game but perhaps this is presence alone sort of just, just gave a little bit of hope to, to everyone here. And, and he did take his penalty very well. It, it's going to be stepping stones as, as, as far as he's concerned. It's going to take a while for him to, to get to full fitness. But it's not a bad start, is it, for him in his very first game to be part of a, a team that, that gets to a League Cup semi-final. Thanks, I. So that's Chelsea through to the semis. And so our championship side, Middlesbrough. They won 3-0 at third-tier Port Vale. And Fulham are through too. They drew 1-1 at Everton after 90 minutes before winning their penalty shootout 7-6. The draw for the semi-finals takes place tonight after Liverpool face West Ham. More on that shortly. Now, as you'll know, the Daily Football Briefing is brought to you by Google Pixel, bringing fans closer to the game. And it's time for us to go beyond the frame to discover a little something you might have missed from the night's action. Our Fulham correspondent Peter Rutzler was at Goodison Park and here's what he spotted. A famous night for Fulham who have managed to make it to the League Cup semi-finals for the first time in the club's history. Nerves of steel from Tosin Adrabayo, who sort of the, the main man for the night, to be honest. He scored the winning penalty. I think amongst the celebrations, you know, the players celebrated by the goal and then ran over to the away end. There was one moment that probably was missed and that was Marco Silva just turning back at the end giving the crowd a low fist bump you could see and you could actually hear from him after the game in the press conference how much it meant to him to to win here for one thing of course at his, his former club at Everton but also to take Fulham into the semi-final to, to break records you know that's kind of what he's done since he's come in he's, he's completely elevated the club taking them back into the Premier League breaking the yo-yo status top flight stability and now you know after the heartbreak of the FA Cup last year in the quarterfinals, losing at Old Trafford, the red cards, the red mist, to now actually reach a semi-final, to be in touching distance of Wembley uh, with Fulham, who have never won a major trophy, is certainly a massive achievement. 
Thanks, Pete. We'll have another Beyond the Frame for you soon, brought to you by Google Pixel. Meanwhile, in La Liga, Atletico Madrid went back above Barcelona into third, but only drew 3-3 at home to Hetafe. Atleti were leading 3-1 after 87 minutes, despite having Stefan Savic sent off in the first half. And if you thought that the Turkish Super League suspension would persuade club owners to keep their behaviour in check, then think again. In the top flight's return to action last night, the Istanbul Spore president stormed onto the pitch, demanding his team walk off in protest at the refereeing decisions. The home side had just gone 2-1 down at home to Trabzonspor, and after playing for more than an hour, the game was abandoned. Now, after weeks of will-they-won't-they, yesterday Nottingham Forest did. They sacked their head coach Steve Cooper after one win in 13 games and with Forest 17th in the Premier League. However, Cooper did still seem to have the backing of most supporters and most of his players. Former Wolves and Spurs boss Nuno Espirito Santo is expected to replace him. Paul Taylor is the Athletics Forest correspondent and he's with us now. Paul, it's been rumbling in the background for a bit, so why has Cooper been sacked now? He has been sacked now. But it has been coming for a little while. I think even prior to the last two games, his job was in serious peril. Forrest, earlier in the month, they lost 5-0 at Fulham. It was a really torrid evening. It was probably the worst performance of his tenure. And in the aftermath of that, I think the club, or the hierarchy at least, made the decision that it was the time to to make a change. They'd already spoken to Julian Lopetegui at that point, the former Wolves manager, and one or two others about potentially taking on the role. And it turned out that... By the time they'd, they'd lost to Spurs, that, that was a goodbye for Steve Cooper, effectively, when he walked down the tunnel at the city ground for the last time. It it, it ended up being his his goodbye, having previously felt like he was saying goodbye at both Fulham and Wolves. It, it finally turned out to be, and it's the sad end to what's been a, a really glorious chapter in Forest history, really. Which is where I was going to take it next. He does still seem hugely popular there. So what is the legacy Cooper leaves with? He's the best Forest manager in two decades. Having had so long outside of the top flight, and it wasn't just the way he did it, and the and the the fact that they finally got out of the championship, it was the way he did it with having a clear understanding of what the city means, of what this club means to people. Of of he just got it from day one. He understood what Nottingham Forest was, what it was all about. He he will always be remembered as the man who took Nottingham Forest back into the Premier League and did so whilst capturing the hearts of of, of this city and and the Forest fans. We'll see where he ends up next. Have you got any theories on that, Paul? Yeah, no, Crystal Palace uh, are very, very keen. Uh, West Ham are monitoring the situation. I don't think it will be very long before Steve Cooper's back in football, whether that happens immediately with Palace or in the summer with West Ham or somewhere else. You know, He leaves this job with his CV very much looking very good indeed. He's done a brilliant job here. As for Nuno, uh, we're expecting that to be confirmed. What catches your eye about that likely appointment? In a lot of ways, they're quite similar. You know, he he did a, a very very good job at Wolves. You speak to Wolves fans, and they they see him in a, in a you know really bright light. He has had question marks raised about his his style of football, about his approach, and if we're being entirely honest, it sounds quite similar to the mentality that Steve Cooper adopted last year. So maybe in in one sense, that might be a good thing because some of the players who are here will already be accustomed to that. So. He certainly arrives with a good CV and you've got to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. He's got some big shoes to fill. His first challenge is going to be to win over these Forest fans. But if he can do that, great. You know, All that matters is that Forest stay up in the Premier League and, and, and continue the, the remarkable progress that, that began under Steve Cooper. 
Thanks, Paul. You can read his piece on Cooper's final days and all the latest at Forest over on the Athletic website and app and by listening to the Athletic Football Podcast when it's out later today. Right, let's get excited about tonight's football, shall we? We have one more Carabao Cup quarterfinal to look forward to. Anfield is the stage with Liverpool and West Ham, the teams. Here's the Athletic's Liverpool writer, James Pearce. Mixed news for Liverpool on the injury front ahead of their Carabao Cup quarter-final against West Ham at Anfield. The boost provided by Ryan Gravenberg. There was concern when he was forced off during the second half of Sunday's stalemate against Manchester United that he could be facing a spell on the sidelines, but the scan results have come back and shown just fatigue in the muscle. So a decision to be made there whether he's risked against West Ham. But if he isn't involved in that game, he, he certainly should be fine for that huge Premier League game coming up against leaders Arsenal at Anfield on Saturday. Alexis McAllister is still out. He won't be back until the new year. Pep Linders, the assistant manager, revealed on Tuesday. And a devastating setback for, for young Ben Doak, the Scottish winger. I think especially he will have had one eye on January when Mohamed Salah is away at the Africa Cup of Nations, yet he's not going to be able to take advantage of that anymore because he's torn the meniscus in his knee playing for the under-21s against Chelsea at the weekend. So uh, he's facing surgery. More positive news on Diogo Jota. He's back outside at the AXA training centre doing ball work and Pep Linder said he's closing in on a return to action. Thanks, James. That game is live on Sky Sports at 8pm in the UK and on ESPN Plus in the US. But if you're missing the fun of midweek European competition, then fear not... There's the Women's Champions League. Chelsea's future in the competition is on potentially shaky ground. They failed to beat Hecken last time out, but have the chance for better tonight as they head to Sweden for the return fixture. You can watch those and all the Champions League fixtures on DAZN's YouTube channel. As for the men, we've got Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Bayer Leverkusen and Paris Saint-Germain all involved in domestic league action tonight. We'll bring you all the headlines from their games in tomorrow's Daily Football Briefing. Finally, Manchester City are still on track for their fifth trophy of the year. Yes, I know. And the UEFA Super Cup is the one you're forgetting. City will face Fluminense in Friday's Club World Cup final in Saudi Arabia after they beat Urawa Red Diamonds 3-0 in their semi-final last night. That's all for today's briefing. Thanks for listening. I've been Michael Bailey. Abby Patterson and Mike Zimmerman were your producers with Ian McIntosh, your executive producer. I'll be back with you again tomorrow, which I'm already looking forward to. In the meantime, have a great day. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.